0: What's shaking cats and kittens? Rob Lee here, and today's episode of The Truth in His Art is sponsored by a new online art platform called Fire and Bliss Creative. Fire and Bliss is the first art platform that I've seen that focuses on the art of the LGBTQ plus, BIPOC, and ally artists exclusively. And I have to say the pieces are amazing. Whether you're looking specifically to add diverse art to your collection or you have a space that needs a bit of updating, every single print on fireandbliss.com has been created by a diverse, independent artist who maintains full control over their art and their profit. I worked with Fire and Bliss to curate a collection of my favorite pieces, like Somewhere Blue by Wodrich Francois, Shop my favorites at fireandbliss.com backslash truth and get 20% off your first purchase at Fire and Bliss. Again, that's fireandbliss.com backslash truth and use the code truth for 20% off your first purchase. Welcome to The Truth in His Art. I am your host, Rob Lee, and today I am chatting with one of the co-founders of Mobtown Fermentation LLC, makers of Wild Bay Kombucha and Ikaro Yerba Mate. Please welcome Sid Sharma. Welcome to the podcast.
1: Thank you so much for having me.
0: So this is this is going to be great because, you know, as I was telling you in the pre-show meeting, 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 talk, talk, talk that I have made uh, your your product part of my like daily ritual. I'll have um, my my partner, my girlfriend will look at me, she's like, why are you drinking kombucha all the time? I was like, look, it's delicious and you need to get familiar. <laughs> wow. So so I want to I want to go into for those who are undipped and uninitiated. Give us the vital stats, like what's, what's the story? How did you get started? And how did Wild, Wild Bay or Mobtown fermentations come, come to be?
1: So really all started with a family recipe. Um, Adam and Sergio are stepbrothers and their parents would make kombucha and other fermented foods all of the time in their house growing up. Uh, we've all known each other since me and Sergio were 14 and Adam was 16 years old. Um, so I'd be in their house in, in Park Heights and that was back in 2004, um, and Sergio's mom was making kombucha. Uh, <laughs> that's really when I learned what it was. At that point, there was no kombucha in stores, and so there was really no familiarity with it, and his mom explained to me what it was, and you know, I feel like every culture has some sort of fermented food similar to kombucha or something pickled that gives you an idea of the process. Sure. Uh, so for me, in Indian culture, a char is basically pickled vegetables that people will will eat with a meal. Um, so that's really what I equated it to at that point in my life. Um, but Sergio's mom and Adam's dad, who who got buried, they moved out of the country and left all of the equipment and recipe with Adam because um, he was a couple years older than us. He actually had a place. He was in college. <laughs> And he pulled out that equipment and really fell in love with the process, made the recipe his own. And I ended up moving back to Maryland after grad school and Sergio and Adam uh, were discussing starting a kombucha company. And honestly, all I thought was that it would be a fun excuse to hang out with some friends for a few hours every week. Um, So Sergio reached out and asked if I wanted to be a part of it and he believed I'd bring something useful to the table and we rented a 300 square foot space of a local juice shop so we could piggyback off of their commercial license <laughs> and I mean wild bay kombucha was born we started knocking on doors whoever was willing to carry us
0: that's great it's great to is and, and I have a question about that a little bit later but it's it's great to hear how like that story came together with one of the uh, components being like hanging out with friends i mean that's that's a thing. It's a thing when you're able to uh, work with your friends and grow something with your friends.
1: Oh, 100%. And early on, it was even more deep rooted in friendships than that. You know, if you're familiar with Hamden, a lot of our friends would be hanging out at the bars on the avenue and we'd go over there and recruit a few to help us help us bottle and then we'd go back there with them nice. after we
0: were done. So I've had um, kombucha from a few different, um, and I've recently gotten to uh, uh, Icaro Yerba Mate as well. so what makes your product like different like from other products that might be on the market? Would it like the maybe signature, obviously no trade secrets here, right? But what 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 makes it like really stick out? Like the branding, that's really cool. I like under the bottle cab, it gives me those Snapple vibes. Um, and even on the cab, I was like, is this a Jaguar? Is this like the, lo-? no, it's a bunny. It's like, is this like the, the logo? What are we doing here? So tell me about what makes it really stick out and what makes it such a unique uh, product.
1: So the product in the bottle is all about taste, right? We pride ourselves on making a perfectly balanced kombucha because, as you alluded to, kombucha has you know that fermented flavor, that natural vinegar tone, um, and through fermentation techniques, we're really well, we're really able to balance that. Um, so through those fermentation techniques and using unique flavor combinations we're really able to make it our own um also if you really get in the nitty-gritty of kombucha we're one of the only people brewing exclusively with um fair trade organic gunpowder green tea Mm -hmm. versus most people in the market are using black tea which results in a little bit more intense of a of a vinegar flavor i mean i like no go i'm sorry oh i was just gonna say and then when it comes down to the branding um you you talked about the rabbit i actually have a pretty funny story around the rabbit sure Uh, so when we were first starting you know you have you have some bottles and we had a name we wanted to go with and the next step is to design a logo so we didn't really know any graphic designers but adam was a touring musician prior to starting this so he had some contacts with graphic designers in germany where he he was uh, signed a label mm-hmm. so we reached out to this german graphic designer this guy kirik and we asked him to help us design our logo sure and i think somewhere in translation logo became mascot <laughs> and he sent us back 15 or 16 mascots uh, most of them were cartoon scantily clad women um a few were just random very psychedelic like things and one of them was this rabbit and we really fell in love with it just because you know it is wild yeah um rabbit is the universal sign for veganism and it was just really fun so we we hung on to it and as soon as we could print our own caps we knew that's where we wanted to wanted to insert it
0: that's really cool. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. Uh, you know, nothing says sexy and scantily clad uh, women on your kombucha bottle, so I'm glad you went with the rabbit.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That would have been very tasteful. It's like, oh, is this a
0: beer? Like, no. <laughs> no. Uh, so, obviously, being a, a brand that's connected to Baltimore is inextricably connected to Baltimore. I mean, Bay is in there it makes me think of Chesapeake Bay, and even with some of the, the colors, I, I start thinking of like maybe the Ravens a little bit with some of the colors I've seen on the bottles and, and things of that nature. Describe the importance of of uh, Wild Bay and more more, more uh, largely uh, Mobtown fermentation being in Baltimore.
1: Well, we we all grew up here. You know, this was really the origin story. Of kombucha for all of us was in Park Heights. Mm-hmm. Um, so, even beyond just Baltimore, we wanted to make sure when we came back, we were in West Baltimore. Mm. And so, we landed here in Northwest Baltimore. Um, it's all about making a difference in our hometown. You know, Baltimore's not known in other parts of the country as a creative hub or as a food hub or incubator, but it really should be, you know, there are some incredible brands and there's incredible support for local and people just creating in Baltimore. Sure. Um, So we really wanted to use our brand or our company as a vehicle to show people what's going on here. That's great.
0: That's that's really, in in the ethos of what I'm doing here with this project, it's like showing that Like sometimes you need to be hit over the head and know that, no, no, we got a lot of this, this cool stuff here. You know, not only do we have kombucha, but we got all types of visual artists. It's like, I need to know, I need to get familiar and know about that. And it's, uh, it's deeper than some of the stories that people usually hear, you know, it's a lot more things here.
1: And on that note, in visual art in Baltimore, I definitely want to at least mention kind of how our label design came to be sure so we were we originally started in Hamden, and we outgrew that side of the juice shop after one year so 10 so six months into starting the company whole foods asked to carry our kombucha locally and that's when the three of us dove in full time so then from that from august 2015 to march 2016, we were in that side of the juice shop and then eventually took over the whole space. Wow. And then we outgrew that and moved up to Timonium uh, because there was no spot in the city that was around, you know, 3,000 to 4,000 square feet that was zoned for what we had to do. Right. So it ended up taking us out of the city. And we, you know, we found out that we had to build out certain rooms of this, this facility to get it you know certified by the state for what we wanted to do and we didn't have the capital so we entered the shore hatchery pitch competition on the eastern shore having to take first place and we did so we won uh, around thirty thousand dollars from that to pay for the build out of our facility um yeah it, it was it was crazy and then when we look back on it you know there's so many things that happened along the way that are, you know, l- luck, like like for lack of a better word, you know, luck or just being in the right place at the right time, um, that's, that has led us here, which is why, you know, in general, it's important for us to, to tie it all back into Baltimore. But that all started with me kind of mentioning the labels. So a local artist, Sarah Tomko, yeah. uh, designed our labels. She walked into our brewery one day in Timonium <laughs> told us she loves our she loves our product but does not like our labels and we had no idea who she was we didn't know anything about her and we were like sure like we'll give you some kombucha in exchange for a design yeah and then when she brought it back we were like all right this is beautiful we're gonna use it how much would you have charged us
0: that's great yeah that's great i i think like working with Like local artists that just really bakes it into what you're doing. Like you can outsource, you can go through wherever and have someone do something, put something together really nice. Like you could probably see in my background, my logo and it sticks out. And I specifically wanted to have a local artist do it. Yeah, I could have won anywhere, had anyone do it. You know, you talk to a lot of different people and I've had some marketing strategy calls. It's like, why don't you change the logo? I was like, nope, it's a Baltimore guy and I I like the logo and I'm sticking with it. And it just that's just another element, much like having the the the, the, the logo for the bottle and the the, the branding for the bottle done from someone local. It makes sense.
1: Yeah. And if we can be a platform to help that artist by people seeing our bottles, yeah. great. I mean, you we tell anyone who works with us, you know, leverage it. Like I was talking to my friend who's who's our photographer, Pete Hoblitzel. Mm-hmm. And, you know, feel free to share anything you've done for us as a part of your portfolio. Yeah. I mean, and, and that's
0: the thing that gets you seen. Like, you know, I I go there, I see I see the bottle like literally I feel like I've gone to Spots and Hamden. I, um, in, in, the, in the day job, I go there. This is, this is a ridiculous combination. I don't want to hear any judgment here, but um, <laughs> I'll go there. I'll get my morning chai latte. And I was like, yo, can you put some cardamom in it? And uh, that's, that's the lane I'm on right now. And they're like, oh, that's the chai latte guy. And I was like, I'm going to get one of those um, Wild Bay joints as well. And they're like, so this is your combination in the morning, coffee and kombucha. It's like, all right, you're gonna have an interesting day, sir. so, yes, like it's, so. It's,
1: <laughs> if I saw someone order that, I would never assume they were drinking it back to back. I would always assume you're going home, putting it in the fridge and maybe drinking the kombucha later. But I love that you're going back to back. I'm
0: going back to back with it. It's it's just I and, and and one of the things I realized, um, outside of like, the flavor is very good. And I like that you touched on that. And I kind of understand it now, because it's something that when I when I like something, I want to learn as much about it as I can. So I can kind of really understand why I like it. And initially, I came and I was like, Oh, this is this effervescent thing. It has this fizz to it. I like that. And I was like, Oh, no, no, this tastes amazing. And um, there are certain things that just, you know, dietarily, I can't do like I can't do cherries. But you know, generally, I've had four or five different flavors. That I'm like, okay, these are my these are my go tos right here. So with that, tell me about the flavors. Um, I currently see eight flavors. And as I've touched on my, my favorites, probably elderberry um, in the market, what flavors? Um, do you do you what flavors do you like to really put out there, which you want to maybe come up with in the future? Um, and what flavors really didn't work out? Like, yeah, that's, that's more of a touch kitchen kind of thing. It didn't really go anywhere. And lastly, because of how I pair my drinks, <laughs> have, has there been any, like, intentional, like, food pairings and thinking of, like, okay, this, like, ginger one is going to go really well with a sandwich or what have you?
1: So I'll start at the top. Sure. Uh, we, curr- we currently have nine flavors and a rotating seasonal. Okay. Um, you n- hit the nail on the head. Our, our elderberry is our toddling flavor. So you are certainly not alone in that being your go-to. Um, my favorite currently, which I'm actually drinking while we're talking is our strawberry lavender. Um, we push the kombucha through whole lavender flowers and petals to get that flavor. Wow. Yeah, so it's it's a beautiful one. If you ever get a chance, I highly recommend it. Um, we're constantly experimenting with flavor combinations. Uh, so there's a lot that never get to market because they just don't pass that initial test. Yeah. But I have certainly had the joy of trying our best and our worst. <laughs> um, so a couple standouts to me in terms of flavors we tried or off the wall combinations. Um, one is definitely a spicy tomato kombucha that we did hmm. kind of like a bloody Mary take, yeah. you know, it, it did not taste bad. It really did not taste bad. We just quickly realized it was a little bit too out there to hit the shelves. Like <laughs> would anyone other than us grab that because we knew what it tasted like. And then the crash and burn one for us was definitely, we did a, uh, ginger cayenne with a little bit of lemon in it. But well, we use the wrong type of cayenne. Oh, no. So when you use the wrong type of cayenne, it can clump together and you know, you get these sips yeah. and it just sends you into just a coughing frenzy. Yeah. So so that's definitely one that went wrong for us. But the combination when said out loud obviously doesn't sound sound too bad. No, it doesn't. Yeah. And it- for, for us, it's really just like a bracket like approach, right? We'll have, you know, seven or eight flavors we're experimenting with at any time. And of those, one of them will get to the market, mm-hmm. maybe one other one will be released at a later time. But even that has been has been few and far between.
0: That's, that's really cool. I, I would love to sit in on one of those meetings like, hey, man, here's an idea I have. Um, <laughs> so, in terms of that, maybe that pairing with food—is that a thing that's even considered when, because um, because it, like I've learned recently, and um, having a you know conversation with another kombucha maker, uh, that it's it's a pairing and not, it's not necessarily viewed as hey this is a health drink. Like sure it has that benefit of having more like fermented foods in your diets, but um, I focus on the taste of it. So in that. Is there like, okay, you know what? I'm gonna do this like blueberry one with nachos. What What is the, is, is there a conversation around like would this pair well with food?
1: While designing the flavors, there's not really, okay. cause we want to design our flavors to be able to stand alone. Sure. But we have all definitely noticed certain pairings that just go really well together, right? Our mango peach kombucha with tacos is incredible. Our elderberry kombucha with, You know, it's a great replacement for wine if you're anything you'd pair a red wine with. Yeah. Um, So we definitely realized that along the way. Um, One that I definitely do with frequency is our ginger agave kombucha with the spicy neighborhood bird bowl from Ekibin. Okay. Okay. Yeah. See, you
0: know, again, this is one of the reasons I do this podcast is one to learn about people, learn about small business owners, learn about artists, but also to steal from them. So now <laughs> I have these combinations. I'm like, yeah, man, you ever try doing this wild bay with that? You know, try it with the little equipment, it'd be great.
1: <laughs> it is.
0: I, I highly recommend <laughs> it. Um, so tell me about, um, you know, a little bit more about going into business like with friends. I know it could be a tricky proposition sometimes where it's just like you run into those instances where it's like, this is our friendship and our friendship is based in this, but also this is business and this may be a more business oriented conversation. And it can lead to just kind of tricky, tricky things. So what would you say that number one piece of advice you could share with someone who is partnering with friends? I mean, I've gone through it where we're just in different stages. of so how we view maybe the business or view that partnership, and you don't want it to impact the friendship because that's, you know, pre pre existing.
1: It's actually even deeper than that, I think, with our company, right? Because it's a combination of, you know, I'm friends with them and they're stepbrothers. (laughs) So it's a whole other layer of trickiness in a way. I mean, I remember when we were first talking about starting and Sergio was all in on me being a part of it. But Adam was unsure, right? He's a couple years older than us. Me and him were friends, but we had never worked together in that type of capacity. He didn't really know... What my what my work ethics like what sure. what I bring to the table? Um, so I really had to prove myself beyond being a friend um, and I think that was a great experience. like obviously we ended up all becoming equal partners, and it all worked out. The best advice I think I can give someone who's starting a business with friends or even family is really leave the ego and friendship at the door, you know you have to be able to separate your decision-making in the business from emotions and maintain a level of professionalism in front of your team. Right. As our team has grown, you know, imagine if we were arguing like friends do or conversing in that way, you know, it would just reflect poorly on the company, on the brand. And I think we've become pretty incredible at separating those. I mean, you read a lot of business stories, about friends who go into business and it sours their relationship and for us i think it's been the opposite you know we're all so close it's funny because on weekends we hang out we spend so much time together you know (laughs) like we vacation together sometimes so it's it's brought us that much closer and i think it also has matured us like all of us have realized that everyone's making decisions with the most positive intentions in mind. Everyone, all three of us want this to grow. All three of us want to accomplish great things. You might just have a different perspective on how we get there.
0: I dig that. Thank you. Um, and something, again, I'm going to apply because, uh, you know, it, it's just one of those things where you you work with people who, f- finding your, your tribe of people that have that like mind and that similar goal you know, sometimes you, you have that overlap. So I think that's definitely one to grow on and one to really connect with. And yeah, uh, friendship at the door, ego at the door. And yeah, as a as a person who has done that thing for a very long time and partnering with a friend and, you know, you just have an ecstatic and it's like, okay, these are friendship arguments we're having, not necessarily work arguments. So which one is it, man? Yeah. <laughs> so this one is a little similar, but I, I think it's more of about like like you you as an entrepreneur, right? So um you kind of touched on like just early on, you know, just one of your, your partners not being really sure of like what your work ethic is and what your background was. So what are what are three three traits that you've learned to to be a successful entrepreneur? And in that, what was the hardest one to master?
1: I think there's three I actually think about this a lot so so i'm glad i'm glad you asked this uh i love to study entrepreneurs and how they got there and i read any book i can get my hands on about a business story especially for the ones i I admire so i think about this a lot and the three things i'd say they all start with p the first one is patience yeah um you know everyone feels like businesses were overnight successes Um, especially due to social media, but that's not true at all. You know, I think two prime examples that a lot of people will be familiar with are Oatly and Apple, right? It feels like Oatly's oat milk just burst onto the scene and they're growing gangbusters. They just went public. Um, they started in 1994, (laughs) right? Yeah, but they didn't explode till recently, you know, so they really positioned themselves over decades. And Apple's another great example. You know, everyone sees them as this ubiquitous brand. There's iPhones in everyone's hands. But Apple was started in 1976. Um, there wasn't even a Macintosh computer you could buy until 84. Right. And then he didn't really see any success until the 90s. Yeah. You know, so patience is absolutely huge. Um, the next thing I would say is processing, you know, there's a lot of entrepreneurs with, or in business owners with the best intentions and amazing passion. But what I see people lacking a lot is processing the ability to process and act on feedback, the ability to process data, to understand your business and the ability to not just take rejection, but process it and improve your business. Um, and the last one I would say is perfection. Um, just always striving to improve, be better, even if it isn't requested or necessary. You know, just constantly improving your product, marketing, sourcing, and understanding your business. Just always mm-hmm. be learning and, and honing in your craft. That's great. Of those
0: P's, which, which one was the one that was really challenging for you to master or to really wrap your mind around?
1: Patience. Patience is the hardest one. You know, when we start, started the business, Business, I was 24 years old. Mm-hmm. When you're 24 years old, you're not patient. You're, you're, you know, you're sprinting. You think it's a sprint, and business is a marathon. You know, you have to pace yourself. You have to consciously decide when to go for certain opportunities, especially as a small business with a limited budget. You yeah. know, you, there's more into that decision making. I think early on, I wasn't as patient as I am now. I was much more reactive instead of processing things over time. Um, I think I've really honed in on these three things over time. I think, you know, you learn from your mistakes.
0: Totally. Totally. I, um, I've tried to, I I kind of do a similar thing. Like I don't dive into the entrepreneurial stuff as much because ultimately that's what I went to school for. And it's like, eh, okay. Um, but I, I look at just, more of the things that kind of point in the direction of what serves what I'm doing. So I'm doing these interviews. So it's like, all right, how to better relate to people how to better like get some get a response to someone how to really show your true self in a conversation versus Mm -hmm. the uh, what is it the representative and really get out these authentic conversations because you know, someone else could ask you these same questions, you may have a very different response. And I think that that's the thing that I've tried to kind of hone in on and really the thing that the the lesson I took out of it is what do you, what are you searching for? What are you trying to get to? And it's, it's the truth. It's trying to uncover like what's the real story behind it, not necessarily what's in the press release, you know, and get those other factoids that might not come up in a press release on a different interview. So that's, that's really what drives me trying to help uncover some of these, these stories.
1: And I think that is so important because I think when you read a press release or you read an article or you watch some interviews, You lose a lot of the rawness that exists in business you know the the raw emotion the raw effort that someone had to put in to get to where they are and when you look back and someone asks you to reflect on success you don't reflect on failure right and so a lot of people don't tell the stories of all the failure they had along the way i mean we've had multiple moments where us three are sitting in a room and it's just silent because you're thinking oh my god what are we going to do
0: right and and i i like the that, that that comparison of just what was the lead up to being being seen being like like apple like 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 oatly and i think you're right with social media and how we position ourselves at times no one knows like, oh, you've been doing this for how long? What goes into this? Oh, I just see the end result. So, for instance, in, in doing an interview, someone wouldn't know, like, let's say if it's a 30 minute interview, it might take me four hours of research and, and post-production stuff to get that out. So, of course, I'm going to take what I do seriously. And I would imagine the same thing applies for anybody in their their business. It's like, yeah, we have this automated, but you know how many meetings we have to have for this to get this sorted, to get this uh, to get this uh, this image approved or to get this flavor approved. It's it's work,
1: and yeah, it's fun, think, but it's work. Yeah, I think social media has a really negative effect on on that to a degree, right? Because I see a lot of young entrepreneurs who are coming up, and they think being an entrepreneur is posting on social media or acting like you've already made it. And that's not what it is. You know, Mm -hmm. it's building a viable business that improves people's lives in some way so it's sustainable. Yeah. So I got
0: one more real question and I didn't tell you about these, but I got five rapid fire questions. So look, whatever goodwill I've established with you, Sid, (laughs) This is all going to go away. So I'm just letting you know. Uh, so, so I guess this is the last thing I would have you. And I, I think I got a sense of it, but maybe just to hammer it home one more time. How do you continue to grow and develop your business?
1: I think it's all about just adding value to people's lives. Um, we're focused on producing beverages that are the highest quality and our customers have been able to taste the difference. And I think you're one of them, right? You were consuming our products before this conversation. Yes. Um, And I think we offer high quality products at competitive prices. So you're getting premium kombucha that is organic, non-GMO, kosher, and gives back to your local environment um, for the same price as a kombucha from a company you may have no connection to. I think building companies from the ground up it's all about finding basically the people who will care the most. Yep. Like who who is your audience? Who wants to consume this product and who cares and how do you engage them in an authentic way that means something to you and them. That's legit. And that's really what's let us grow and develop our business, I think. You know, that's- people resonate with the product. It's, it's, it's never been about me, Sergio or Adam. I mean, us three, we very much see ourselves as a vehicle for getting the star of the show out there, which is the products and product in the can and the product in the bottle. Totally. Absolutely. So yeah, that, that's, um, that's great. And that's
0: the, th- that's the lesson they try to teach you with social media, but you guys are doing a real version of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so now it's time for rapid fire questions. I got five of them for you, and then we'll we'll wrap up there. Uh, and the the nature of these rapid fire ones there were three. I've added two since you were talking because I thought they were funny. Uh, so, in it, just you know, try to answer this as quickly as, as you can, like what pops in your head. Um, so, first one is: What is the strangest thing you've ever done as an entrepreneur?
1: Strangest thing? I, that is that is an awesome question. <laughs> strangest thing I've done as an entrepreneur. I dressed as a bottle once. <laughs> <laughs> I. Oh, man. There's definitely been some weird moments. I'm just trying to think. I'm trying to think what really what would be the weirdest. I would say I would say we've done one day we were, we were just all pretty frustrated. So we just walked into the warehouse and started building a fort out of our boxes. We've done that. That was, that was a pretty strange odd thing to do as a break. Mm-hmm. Um, that's one for sure. I would say the other thing is uh, we found a gong to rent. <laughs> that's uh and anytime we get a new client, we we would hit the gong. But I think the oddest thing was scouring Craigslist for a gong that has to be up there.
0: No, that's that's definitely up here. It's it's gong o'clock, clock, uh, and yeah. we got a new person. Um, besides money, what is your favorite way to compensate people?
1: I think, I think words. I think people. I mean, it's the it's the Maya Angelou quote, right? People will never forget the way you make them feel. And I think that is the most influential impact you can have on someone, especially as we grow. You know, we've seen as we grow, you know, I might not work with everyone on our team every day. Mm -hmm. But when I have that type of exchange, you know, I am still seeing the incredible effort you're putting in. They really appreciate it.
0: Yeah, as a uh, as a person that's uh, on LinkedIn, I'm sure you've seen me on there and uh I've gotten a few recommendations this week for just the work that I do in this podcast space and I mean, it felt really good to reread. I was like, I'm gonna have to cut and paste this. i want to get this printed out. This has got to go somewhere. And it's and it's just words and just seeing like, you know, people can tell you they they appreciate you, they like what you do. But um, when you get something that feels like, oh no, this is actually not a canned response. This, you know, you don't tell us to all the girls. You know, this is uh this is this is for me and this has has some meaning to it. So yeah, it's one of those love languages too, right? hmm Um what popular Entrepreneurial advice you just simply disagree with. You're like, I don't think that's real.
1: What popular entrepreneurial advice? Oh, man. (laughs) The first thing is the easiest. I'm like, shut up. (laughs) I know. That's that's a really tough one. I would say, I'm trying to think. First of all, I'm starting with just what is the common entrepreneurial advice. (laughs) Right? I think, oh, I got it work smart not hard yeah i don't like that that has <laughs> got to be the one yeah it's a crock <laughs> it's just not true you got to do both you know there is no version of working smart and not hard when it comes to it's the end of the night and i have him to mop the horse because i'm the one who's bottling or i'm the one who's doing that task you have to be willing to get in the weeds and do the dirty stuff i mean we have done every single role in this building so -hmm. we know how to do every single role in this building um but a lot of people want to go from step one to step 10 instead of understanding that you just you just have to grind like our first our first two years there was no skill set i mean other than knowing how to brew and bottle the product yeah it wasn't like Oh man, like, look at how strategic they're being. We were broke and we were dropping off kombucha in our cars, you know? (laughs) Yeah.
0: And a lot of these things you, you end up learning once you have, like, once you have a concept that works, everything else starts getting filled in, you know, like you, you learn these things because let's say if you're out of business, and then you go to another business they're going to tell you how to do marketing for their business and it's going to be maybe completely different from the one you came from before so having what's the thing that you can't teach like i have this product i have uh, this culture i want to create this is what i want to do and then entrepreneurs from from what i'm learning they're going and it's like, look we break rules we we do our own version of it we, we play within the boundaries of certain rules that are inextricably connected to what entrepreneurship is but really we gotta do our own thing. And that's what leads to people being successful and being able to maintain what they're really in business for.
1: And that's one of the most humbling things. Just the fact, when I think about our marketing, our marketing is really just us three sharing who we are with an audience. And it's been incredible for us to see that people have accepted that or find us clever or entertaining. You know, it's, it's awesome.
0: This this podcast might be marketing. Um, <laughs> so last last two I got for you. This one I think is funny. Um,
1: how many bottles do you drink a day of your <laughs> kombucha? I would say I drink between two to three. Okay, two to three. That's fair. That's yeah. a fair number. And lastly, yeah, I, try, I try to I try to keep it in control. But there there are definitely days when you know all of a bunch of meetings uh-huh. and especially if they're sales meetings yeah i can't have them drinking our product and act like i don't drink it i mean i, I love our product right. uh. it's <laughs> one of those days where i'm like you know i'm on kombucha like between seven and eight right now i should probably at least slow down
0: i mean you know as biggie said you can't get high if you own supply and you know if you're, <laughs> you're just in the weeds uh as you take a sip by the way <laughs> just... I, it was, great timing, I yeah, had it was great timing uh this is the last one i have for you um how do you start your day? What is that first thing you do when you, you are out of bed? Um, how do you start your day?
1: So the first thing I do is I'll wake up, I'll brush my teeth, and then I'll look at my Google Calendar just to get in, like, the mental space of the day. Like, what do I have going on today? Where do I have to be? Um, just kind of getting mentally prepared for it. Mm-hmm. Um, I've always wanted to be the type of person that has this beautiful morning routine. You know, like I wake up, I meditate, I work out, and then I go to work. I've always been the, I wake up, I roll out of bed, I brush my teeth, I shower, I get in my car and come to work. Yeah. Um, but I have tried this new routine when at the end of the day, I always make sure to take a few minutes to kind of recap and kind of like appreciate what happened during the day. Yeah. Um, Cause I actually started doing that because I was listening um, to a podcast and someone was asking a successful entrepreneur, what's their biggest regret. And theirs was that they didn't reflect on the moments as they happened. And it felt like they lost time because of that. So I wanted to make sure that, you know, I was appreciating things as they
0: happen. That's great. And that, and that is important. Uh, you got to celebrate and you have to um, acknowledge things as they happened. Uh, and because they, they need to have their due, you know, and I, I think that's really key. Um, for me, the first thing I do when I wake up in the morning is probably say a four-letter word, you know, as to why I'm up. And then I kind of do this, the same thing. i might like, work out. We're going to do the same thing you do. <laughs> yeah, I
1: think it's, yeah, it's definitely it's definitely interesting. Like, I feel like I've always wanted to be that epic morning person. It just, yeah. just hasn't happened for me yet. Eh, you're still
0: young. Uh, so there you have it. Um, I want to um, thank you for coming onto the podcast. This has been a treat. And two, I want to invite you to um, plug away, um, pitch it. Like, where um, where can they check out um, you, your brand, uh, pretty much everything happening, Mob Town fermentations, Wild Bay Kombucha, all of that good stuff.
1: So on social media, we're just at Wild Bay Kombucha. Uh, I think the most, the best thing you can do is, for us at least, is to check us out in stores and give us, give our product a try. See if you enjoy it. See if it makes a difference in your life. Uh, you can find our kombucha in Whole Foods, Giant, Harris Teeter, um, tons of awesome local spots. You know, Eddie's Market, Grawl's Market, Mom's Organic, um, and this. It's one of those things where we've learned over time that once people are familiar with our brand, they start to realize that they're seeing it everywhere. Yeah. Um, so that's the Wild Bay Kombucha side. And then Acaro Yerba Mate, we actually ship nationwide uh, with free shipping. So if you want to give us a try, just go to IcaroT.com. Um, that's I-C-A-R-O-T.com and give the product a shot. It's a great source of caffeine for an afternoon pick me up without those those jitters and you can still sleep at night it's definitely made a difference for us absolutely so i want to thank uh sid sharma for coming on to the
0: podcast this has been a lot of fun and um i'm rob lee saying there is uh, food and bev in and around baltimore you just gotta look for it